Welcome to Hunters and Unicorns, the Sales Leaders Playbook. I'm Simon Kutis and I'm joined by my co-host, Oli Kune. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And we're absolutely delighted to be welcomed by Marjorie Jenowitz. Marjorie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Simon and Oli. I'm delighted to be here this morning. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Marjorie. And I actually think, Simon, you did a fantastic job <laughs> in pronouncing Marjorie's second name there. So well done, mate. <laughs> it's, the, it's a great win. It's a great win indeed. And, and it is indeed a, a fantastic to have you on the show, Marjorie. Um, it, it is really, really, truly an honor to have you with us today. By way of an introduction, you are currently the CRO at uh, Foursquare, uh, but it's been a really exciting and a, a, a very distinguished career, um, and we're really, really excited to really get in amongst it. But you're currently at Foursquare. It's, it's quite an exciting transition. Tell us a little bit about the mission and, and what it is you're actually doing at Foursquare right now. Yeah, so Foursquare is a 12 years old company. I think a lot of you uh, may know Foursquare as the checking app. Now the mission has evolved quite a lot over the last 12 years and our, our mission and our vision today is very much to empower developers, data scientists and marketers to really foster and maximize the power of location data meaning places uh, data and movement data to drive business decisions and uh, improve customer uh, experiences. So, you know, if you're using a Uber app, a Walmart, Walmart app, all the way to a Disney app, if you're a parent in, in Disney world, if it uh, tells you where, it's probably built on Foursquare. Wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a very exciting organization and, you know, there's huge scope. We're going to go into quite a lot of detail around the, the actual mission and the, and the playbook that you're running there because it is a it's a it's an adaptation of you know a, the, the playbook that you've obviously built your reputation on. So we're going to talk. We're going to spend a bit of time really talking about how you've had to adapt and what you're trying to do and, and why that's really important. But Marjorie, where I really want to start with this conversation is to really understand your entry into in, into sales. Um, just take us right to the beginning. How, how did that happen? Yeah, so the, the beginning, fortunately or unfortunately, is quite a, a long time ago. But, uh, you know, like, like many sellers, I didn't really know I wanted to go into sales. Um, all I knew is that I had a, an appetite for um, fixing problems, understanding problems and bringing solutions. And naturally, it led me to, uh, to sales. Um, I started my career in Ireland uh, at the time where uh, really the economy was booming in 1998. So started my career um, at Apple and then Oracle. Very grateful for those large organizations that really gave me a good foundation for what sales is. Uh, but after that, uh, I rapidly realized I just absolutely love building, building teams, building great businesses. So I started to work for startups, uh, starting with uh, MySQL, the open source database company. Um, that, that was my first really sales leadership role after a few years. Um, I built a, a corporate sales team in EMEA. Um, so, you know, the accent is French. I started my career in Europe. 
Um, after my SQL, where I built a high velocity engine for Europe, I uh, moved to success factors, so HR tech. Uh, started also in Europe, uh, leading corporate sales teams, so think SMB and middle market. Um, and then 2008, it's, you know, uh, recession hit, and the CEO at the time, Las Dalgard, um, asked me to repeat the good things we had done in Europe in the US. Um, so this was my entry into building global sales organizations, uh, and, and starting working in the US. Um, stay through the SAP acquisition. So a great experience to see how a playbook can actually be attractive for large organizations. And I was asked to help uh, SAP to really adapt the uh, software as a service playbook to uh, an SAP world uh, for small and mid-sized organizations. Um, super successful, a good time there. You wanted to ask something? No, I was going to say, I, I was going to say it's interesting because, you know, that was a, a small organization and then you were acquired by SAP, which was a very large organization, I suppose. How, how did you kind of deal with, with that massive transition of, and, and influence and, and, and kind of just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think SAP at the time was going through uh, a lot of transformation and really wanted to learn the differences between selling and go to mark, going to market with on-premise software and wanted to learn how to really migrating to more of a cloud delivery. Uh, and, and of course, there's work to do on the, the product side and the engineering side to get there. But I think SAP really understood that it also took uh, really dramatic GTM changes to be able to adapt to cloud delivery over on-prem. So... There was a, a lot of appetite uh, from SAP to learn. And uh, I did spend uh, you know, a, a few months explaining how can you mirror um, the customer buying behavior uh, in, in the SaaS world with uh, uh, how you actually sell in that world. Um, so you know, it wasn't easy to start translating some of the, the differences because there are many. Uh, but it was a, a great experience working closely with the SAP cloud teams at the time to, uh, uh, yeah, to, to evolve the SAP playbook uh, for small and mid-sized uh, companies in the context of that transformation. So, so uh, you, you've obviously had a huge impact, a big title. You know, you were you're vice president of worldwide corporate sales, as you, as you say. And then you make the transition into MongoDB in 2013, July 2013. Yes. First of all, how did that happen? And this was a really crucial moment in your career because everything kind of came together at this moment. So how did that come about? And, and what were your first impressions when you kind of first walked through the door? Yeah, so uh, how it came about is um, I've always had... Uh, pretty strong appetite for disruption, you know, disrupt, disrupting big markets. And, um, you know, after my experience at SuccessFactors, uh, you know, disrupting the HR world, uh, it was time for me to look uh, for another disruption. And I had some pretty good experience in the database space because I'd spent time, time, of course, at MySQL and, and Oracle. Uh, but through, you know, connections of people I, I knew at the time, I got introduced to uh, 
the MongoDB leadership. And this was years before the way we know Mongo today. Um, I, I saw the massive potential to, to disrupt uh, and for myself to have a, an impact with my database background and my corporate sales background uh, to be able to really help drive um, Mongo, Mongo's success. Uh, now, I joined very early, um, and, and I think my, my, journey, my, my journey at Mongo was absolutely transformational, but I think that that uh, transformation really happened um, when uh, Devon Cheria and Carlos de la Torre joined and really uh, helped me understand that, uh, you know, leading high-performing sales team, teams are, is really about a process. Um, I, I had a pretty good sense of how to build and run teams successfully, but I, I think the MongoDB experience really helped me see how granular that process can be, how you can recruit, develop, uh, and execute on a day-to-day -day basis based on, on a playbook that can really unlock uh, fantastic results. So, um, yeah, spent um, about three years at MongoDB uh, under their leadership, and I, I think it propelled the way I look at running uh, uh, sales organizations and, and, most importantly, driving uh, great business outcomes for, for companies. Amazing. And... And so you were there pre-Carlos and David Chiaria. Was it a big shockwave coming through the organization when they joined? Did you feel the impact straight away? Tell us a little bit about those two joining the organization and, and, and how that, you know, you know exposed, was exposed in the company. Yeah, I think this experience um, is probably the best example I have seen in my career around change management. Um, and I think that experience actually helped me uh, even design for myself for the future of my career, how to lead transformation initiatives. So it was a big shock <laughs> to the system, but I think for anyone that has the, the appetite to uh, drive improvements, both on how they operate, but, but their own skill set as leaders. If you are int intellectually curious and you embrace um, basically the, the playbook, uh, you, you, you really multiply uh, your results in a big way. So big shock to the system. It took a, a lot of self-reflection. It took a lot of trust on the process. Uh, but then you see the results. You see the results in dollars. You see the results in career progressions for everyone involved. And I think, long story short, big, big, big shock to the system. Definitely a big impact. And uh, yeah, career making for for many involved and many of us that I would call the second or third generation of the John McMahon playbook. Uh, we probably say similar things. You can you can see all our career trajectories, career making. Thank you, MongoDB. You're kind of going to that MongoDB, I, I imagine that those were a lot of the strategies that they were trying to really go after, right? To to evolve what there what was there, to create a uniform standard, but then also to recruit 
and supplement and, and then continue continue with that. And, and you referenced the fact that this was one of the best change managements that you've actually seen um, at MongoDB. How were they? What was the approach? What, what did they do in that moment that and you thought, wow, this is a really effective way to really get these messages across? Yeah, I think the and that's something I've used ever since. Um, I think first it's um, being crystal clear on what the change is. Why is it? But most importantly, a lot of companies say, this is the change we need to do, go do it. Um, I, I think the, the beauty of what happened in Mongo, which is what I think a best practice that every company should follow, is really being pretty granular on the how are the sellers actually supposed to do it. Um, so it's the development of a value framework that really crystallize, you know, um, this is the value drivers that our customers are pursuing. This is how we, as an organization, deliver that value. This is how we do it better. And uh, the, the documentation of those things um, coming from a, a really deep alignment across sales, marketing, product, customer success, engineering, delivering that framework to the sales team, and then most importantly, from there, managing the business day to day based on those principles and having the instrumentation to track how are we actually doing uh, against those really help, help th that change management to be uh, an ongoing fine tuning process. You can control, you can control that all the way to then going back to the topic of hiring. Um, are the folks who are bringing to the sales team able to adapt uh, to the, the value framework? And most importantly, are they, are they able to execute on what we're asking them to do uh, with it? Again, it's, 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 really, it's really interesting to, to kind of hear, hear your take on that. I suppose being on the receiving end of that, you, you know, Marjorie, you've obviously gone into an organization with a really big reputation, you've, you've got a big title, you've got lots of success, and then all of a sudden these new processes are being kind of thrown at you. How did you respond to that? Was, it, was there any reluctance or were you just completely open-minded? What was your journey of embracing that change? Yeah, I think, um, I, I really think it comes down to the, the DNA of the sellers or the leaders in the organization. Not, not specifically speaking about MongoDB, but even thinking about how my teams have reacted to us launching similar processes, whether we speak about HackerOne or, or more recently Foursquare. I think it, it starts with, uh, you know, everybody needs to want to get better. And uh, I think uh, change, change is hard, uh, but again, you know, none of the, the things that are including in the playbook, like which already talked about getting access to the economic bar, building a business case, building champions, th those concepts are not new. I, I think what facilitated the change management and, and what was really um, mind-blowing in a good way for me was, again, that because we provide the how to the sales team, it's not one of those trainings or uh, one-time enablement curriculum 
where we're just asking you to adopt a new methodology. The, the, the depth on the how to adapt it, um, and, and then you know, training leaders on how to coach based on that, I think is the, the, the explosive link. Um, it, it means that literally folks understand the how they're supposed to do it, and then the role of the manager in deal reviews, in, in forecast meetings, in, in one-on-one development discussions, managers are trained to help uh, the, the, the sellers to, to get there. So I, I just think that the gold in this is the depth on the how to do it and how to reinforce it. So, you know, yes, it, it's a big transformation, but if you have folks that want to get better, there is no reason why they would push back. Uh, I think it's one of the, the, the best approach and methodologies in, in, in sales. Uh, and actually, I would expand it to customer success in the industry. But what was the impact on you? Oh, I, I, I felt pretty good. You know, I had a good career. I was uh, driving success. Um, I felt more in control moving forward because it's bringing a deeper science to the madness. And it, it's really providing a, a North Star to, to, to how to execute. So I, feel, I felt empowered um, and I think great things for me happened after that. This is how I got my first chief revenue officer position and my second. And then you can see that the, the time to results is cut uh, you know, in half. I think the first year at Hacker One, uh, when we, we started to deploy the, the, the playbook and the methodology, we drove 40% uh, increase in sales productivity w within nine months. Um, yeah, so, so for me, it's now, I, of course, every company is different, and I'm seeing it at Foursquare right now. We have an ad tech business that's 12 years old, and we have a technology business that's, uh, that's really more recent, two years old. I can see how the playbook needs to be adapted based on the ideal customer profile, based on the domain, but the mechanics are valid in both. It is about understanding business value. It's about creating that business value. And it is about some of the mechanics we already talked about this morning. So the, the playbook is adapted to the industry. It's adapted to the maturity of the business. But the ground rules are the same. And uh, yeah, it, it's propulsing success. I think this is a really interesting point in your career because obviously you've transitioned from um, MongoDB to HackerOne, taking on your first CRO position. Obviously, historically prior to that, you were very high-velocity sales through the SMB and commercial. Talk to us about how you used and were able to adapt that kind of high-velocity sales now more into the big and strategic stuff. You know, so... so uh... To me, since the earlier days of my career, uh, being a, a well-rounded uh, CRO means you are able to flex between different uh, types of sales motions and, and flex uh, between different types of regions because there's also selling to EMEA, US, APAC, and all of that. Um, I had uh, for, for many years that... Um, urge to start conquering more of the enterprise longer sales cycle, higher dollars. 
a type of sales motion when I'd spent a lot of my career in, as you said, high velocity, uh, low dollar, repeatability, scalability, which had been very successful. But to feel like a well-rounded CRO, I wanted to conquer that top of the pyramid. Um, so, you know, one thing I'll, I'll be candid um, uh, about is, um, you know, I knew I could do it, but I had not done it, okay? So it's that, uh, and I, I think a lot of sellers and, and CROs will probably feel the same way. At some point, you need to push yourself to, to get to the next step. And this is where, the, um, again, the playbook, which the, the playbook we've been talking about in practice is a very enterprise playbook, right? It is designed to extract bigger business value it is designed to justify premium so you know as a as a cro deploying the, the playbook to attack you know very large accounts in financial services retail all the way to sell cycles in government public sector i think the playbook had given me at least the foundation to understand what are the steps in the sales process how do i think about how customers are buying and how do I think about mapping our sales motion to it? The, the playbook gave me the foundation. And to be honest, the playbook gave me the, empowered me to know that I could do this. And then, of course, again, it's about hiring the right leaders uh, from there to manage those various business units and, and tackle those things that are very much in line with that way to think about the sales motion as a process. Um, so became super successful very fast with the playbook, uh, conquering a, a very new segment of the pyramid, never look back. Um, and now the, the dance is more around how do you leverage some of those complex um, aspects of the, the sales motion and how do you adapt them to a high velocity, low dollar how do you adapt that to a middle of the market where the ASP may be a little bit lower? I think it's just flexing the, the, play, the, play, the playbook up and down across the pyramid to, in a way that's going to make sense. But at the end of the day, it's about delivering value to customers. Uh, it is easier to get access to a CEO in an SMB than it is to get access to a, a CEO in a larger account. But you need to get access to decision makers and economic buyers in both. The how you get there is, is the difference. And this is where flexing the playbook is important. Yeah. So obviously having transitioned from, you know, Hacker One, you, you, you've, you've, you've taken your, a big CRO role at Foursquare and the rules of the game are slightly different because, you know, you, you've obviously come from more of a software sales. Foursquare is more ad tech. Um, but you you still maintain that the sales motion is still you know relevant, even though you are selling to lots of different stakeholders, right? So how are you able to really adapt that to to really you know what is it you're having to do to really manage that and be effective, even within a, a, a different kind of game, a different format? Yeah, it, it's a very good question. I, I'm in the middle of it, so I, I can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I am uh, uh, not going to fully declare success yet. I joined se seven months ago, but there's a lot of um, really beautiful progress happening. So, um, you know, to give a little bit of context. So, you know, one one part of the, the Foursquare business is really around uh, improving our of campaigns for marketers. And, and for that, 
we, we sell best-in-breed targeting and measurement solutions. That business is 12 years old. There is three dancers in the party. Uh, there's the brands, uh, there are the agencies, and there are the partners. And then flip side to that, we are also empowering end customers, big brands directly to build technology and leverage data to one, drive better business insights, and then two, to really improve their app users' experience. So there, the persona are very much head of data science, head of product, head of engineering, so more of a tech sell. Uh, one business is 12 years old, the other business is, um, is literally two years old. So one, the latter is a startup, the other one is an established business. Call me a uh, masochist, but I get to build and I get to optimize all at once. <laughs> and, and looking for challenge, it's pretty cool. Um, what I learned, though, you know, is, uh, again, at the end, it is about understanding who are you selling to? Who are the buyers, the economic buyers? And then who are the influencers, the champions, or, or folks that may just be coaches in the game? And at the end, you know, for both businesses, complexity may be different. You know, on our ad tech business, you know, we have to sell to three parties. Uh, on the on the enterprise side of the house, you know, it's literally one or, or two buying centers. But the mechanics are the same. It is about developing, uh, you know, value drivers that are relevant for both. It's about understanding the how we do it, how we do it better for both. So the mechanics are the same. Uh, one is startup. We are establishing the playbook brand new from scratch, easy to implement. And then on the older side of our business, um, we are really adapting the playbook to what has been built over the, the, the last 12 years to propulse kind of the, the, the growth of that side of the business. So this would be a little bit more similar than the, to the MongoDB experience where uh, things that to, to really change and transform over time. Mechanics are the same, buyers different, value drivers different, uh, but I, I'm able slowly but surely to have the two come together so that for a company that's gone through three acquisitions over the past few years, we have one go-to-market strategy, one playbook, one way to recruit, develop, execute, even if some of the attributes vary from one business unit to the other. Um, so it's a... a brain challenging exercise in, in a very good way. And the playbook is making us move way faster than if we didn't have some of those uh, foundations in place. It's amazing to see that obviously you are essentially bringing different, almost different organizations together towards one sales motion, even though they're obviously working in slightly different ways with different personas. Uh, and again, it does really demonstrate firstly the complexity, but also how effective, you know, this, 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 this playbook really is. But you talk a lot about discipline and process as kind of core pillars to that. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, you know, I think if you want to, if you want to drive growth and improvement, you need to break things down in things you can inspect, things you can improve. So, you know, whether we are talking about 
uh, above all, uh, you know, in the economic climate we're in right now, being very crystal clear on who is our ideal customer profile, you know, building based on that, uh, you know, either segmentation or a list of target accounts that directly map to that ideal customer profile, essential. But then from there, what do we want the sales process to be step by step? What does the customer need to do? What do we need to do? Uh, leveraging things, of course, like MedPeak, so we can really inspect what are the activities we need to do by, by stages. Are, are we being effective at those things? If not, why? So uh, when I mean process and systems, I mean both in the way we execute on our sales campaigns, but also literally the measurements in place we have, you know, using tools to drive the inspection and driving the inspection unlock, driving the coaching on things that are very, very specific. Um, you, you cannot drive improvement and change when you look at the sales process holistically. You have to break it in small pieces so you can start tackling those little blockers one after the other. Um, so, so that's what I mean by that. And then I think embedding that process in all the activities, it's like we said at the beginning, do I have the right sellers that can execute on, on that process? Do I have the enablement and the operational backbone to develop the reps on those minute things along the way? Um, uh, all the way to just literally driving the execution on, on a day-to-day -day basis. So it, it is a, a marriage, a wedding between you know, process, systems, enablement, operations, and then the, the profession of being a, a world-class seller and a world-class sales leader. One of the things that we haven't spoken about, obviously being, um, you know, a, a, a very, very well-regarded, well-established CRO, you're also, you know, a, a, a female, which is, you know, a rarity these days. And I think addressing, you know, the, the diversity um, what, what, what does diversity in sales mean? And, and what are the levers um, that are really important to that, uh, Marjorie? Yeah, and, and here, you know, I've been, um, I, I guess, rooting for diversity for years. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried to uh, influence diversity as much as I could um, over the past few years. I, I think... The, the topic of the power of diversity actually became very true for me at, at Foursquare. Um, Foursquare, we have, you know, about 50% of our sales organization uh, female. Uh, first time, you know, I, I used to stand up in all hands uh, speaking about diversity. I only had like less than 30% of my team uh, being female, and that's only speaking about gender diversity. I think we have a lot of work to do on, on the other dimensions of, of diversity. But, um, you know, the, 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 I knew this, uh, but now I know this. It's diversity, foster diversity. Like, if you have half of your team females, you know, starting at the leadership level, then naturally, you know, more will come uh, because people want to work with and for people that look like them. So I, I, I'll start on that topic just emphasizing 
um, the fact that if you invest in driving diversity, more diversity will come. Uh, and then specifically um, for why are we even talking about diversity, you know? And as a female, uh, you know, I, I want to be very uh, meaningful in, in what I'm, when, when I'm saying without offending anybody. Uh, but, you, you know, years ago, great sellers were folks that were hungry, coin-operated, had a good network. So the criteria and, and typically were extroverts. So just that list of required capabilities for a seller would actually exclude, you know, probably a high population of females because of that. You know, and that's me saying it, and I, th I think we could debate on this. Um, but, but now I think with the, the way the sales world has evolved with playbooks, like the one we just talked about, if we remind ourselves, you know, what are the attributes of a great seller? Active listening, empathy, um, asking great questions. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to be, you know, the, the seller from 20 years ago. Um, you know, and, and I think because of those requirements have changed, active listening, empathy, asking great questions, business acumen actually i think the playbook itself has opened up uh, the pool of talent that could be absolutely amazing uh, for sales roles and the emphasis on enablement you know now we were not only looking for folks that are already fully baked world-class sellers we're saying we have those attributes as a starter but we can train people to become world-class Again, that's opening up the pool of, of great talents that could become uh, great sellers. And, and with that, also potentially uh, uh, accelerate the career pathing of those diverse folks that could be joining the team to leadership roles. Um, so the world is beautiful. The playbook also, uh, I think, unlocked, yeah, increasing, increasing the pool of talent supporting diversity both on the gender side and 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 all types of uh of diversities so that's how i look at it yeah i think thank you so much for sharing that marjorie i suppose for any of our listeners that aren't aware of our um podcast series culture crunch um maybe we can pick up this conversation um with our host kieran and talk about this and dive a lot deeper into it because it is a really important subject and an important subject to to us and probably to all of our listeners so um yeah no thank you very much for sharing on that and we'd love to obviously talk about that some more um I think, you know, one, one, one big thing that when we were last talking, Marjorie, you spoke about um, when you moved to the US in 2008 in the last big recession. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we're now moving or we're now in another one. Um, how are you seeing the effects that this is having within the, in the software market? And what sort of changes do you think that we've, you know, got to potentially look out for? I, I would love to be able to comment on you know, are we heading towards something that's going to be worse or not as bad as 2008? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, I, I think we can see it on social networks um, with, with a, a lot of layoffs going on. 
we can also see it in, I think everybody is refocusing on cost savings, profitability, and, and with that, uh, a big focus on improving sales efficiency, like getting a greater return from uh, the assets you do have. I think for me, you know, when, when I compare 2008, uh, literally when I moved to the US in the middle of it all, and, and today, I, I think that what, what 15, is it 15 years? What, what, what 15 years do to a, an industry? Uh, I think we have the power to track way more what's going on. Uh, because of systems that are in place, playbooks like the one we talked about that help us really understand how slower or how faster deals are moving, what is now required to get deals done versus what was needed maybe 12 months ago. So I, I think businesses are way more, have way more visibility on the impact of potential changes in economic climate because of process systems and all of that. And this, this is um, very empowering. So for those of you, you know, listening here, I, I think leverage the processes you've implemented, starting with the ICP, you know, uh, all, all the way to your sales stages to be more granular in understanding what actually is going on. And, and I think because visibility is there, um, I, I can speak for, you know, Foursquare particularly, you are way more nimble, you know, if you understand in this uh, climate, what are the industries that may be affecting more than others, then shift your ICPs laser fast, realign your outbound and, and uh, pipeline generation campaigns to that new ICP um, to combat, combat any potential um, effect you may have on, on the business. Um, and, and of course, not to do free advertising, but I, I still do a little bit, you know, things like Gong over the past few years, uh, bidding trackers to just understand uh, how the conversations are changing, are very informative to start making faster business decisions to avoid, um, you know, greater impact. Um, so that, that's what I would say on the, the tracking and then and then really forcing your system to be agile, um, which means, you know, you can change direction to realign to where the opportunities are very quickly. Um, and then cutting costs, you know, I think everything we've been talking about this morning from a driving improvement at every step of the sales motion, increasing uh, enablement to get there. I think the top metric people should be looking at right now is you know, can you at least maintain, if not continue grow your sales productivity a quarter over quarter? Um, so is your sales efficiency strong? Um, you know, I, I particularly look at my quota attainment on average a quarter over quarter. Are we, you know, uh, if you start seeing your quota attainment drop, uh, reevaluating your capacity model, do you have the right number of sellers with the opportunities at hand? Um, so those are kind of key metrics I, I look at to make sure that we are shifting resources in the right places as fast as we can. Um, and, you know, some of this is, is really helping to reduce the potential impact uh, of the economic climate. Of course, every, every company is different. The last thing I would mention here is, um, you know, 
developed, so making sure that you are clear on what is the positive business outcome your solution generates, like Foursquare is helping uh, driving better business insights. Okay, awesome. <laughs> during uh, during a, a potential recession, being able to inform how businesses are making critical decisions is, is a must-do. It, it, it should be recession-proof. Uh, our second value driver is improving app user experience. People that are generating 80% of their business through their, their app, uh, their apps and their app experience, it's their chance to retain users and drive better usage for users. That should be recession-proof. So I think for companies to just really make sure they realign their go-to-market to those business mission-critical value drivers uh, during a, a time like this is, is, is essential because budgets are going to get cut you need to have a good story to justify your business case with a, a CFO all the way to a CEO. And for smaller businesses, some of those budget decisions are even escalated at the board level. So do you have sellers that have a champion that can sell for you at the, at the C level the right story? So it, it is a cross-functional effort to refocus. And I think the playbook is definitely helping to be more nimble in times like this. It's incredible insight, and I know our guests are going to be really, really um, interested with, with, with your view on it. Um, I have an interesting question. It's more around, you know, Marjorie and, and, and the future and the end game for you. Have you thought about where the end game is? Obviously, you're now second time CRO. Where do you see yourself going, Marjorie? What's, what does the future have for you? Ah, it's a wonderful question. So I, you know, if, maybe one thing I'll tell you is... Um, I've been so, you know, I just love sales. It's in my blood. Uh, don't, don't even speak about it to my husband. So love sales. Um, and then at Foursquare, you know, what's been very exciting for me is now um, customer success is under my purview. Um, so I, I kind of own the end-to-end -end customer journey. I'm able to, you know, those processes we've been talking about in the playbook, I'm able to make sure that it starts pre-sales, but then it becomes so, so vibrant and true all the way to the entire customer journey, the retain, the expand, and the advocate. So I think that has been very fulfilling for me to be able to um, really own it all <laughs> on that side to make the playbook consistent all the way through. So it's been very fulfilling and I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, you know, part of Marjorie thinks, you know, I, I just love this so much. I could do this forever. You know, that's one part. And then, you know, the, the other part, the secret part, my husband will not watch this video. <laughs> um, you know, as part of working through the playbook, you know, I, I get to align and work very closely with marketing, with product, um, and, and really, once you get to embed this playbook across the entire company, uh, it is quite magical. So maybe one day, Marjorie will give it a shot at the CEO thing. Because uh, owning it all is, is, it's not a power thing. It's just driving that customer value when you can impact all pieces of the puzzle is something in the back of my mind. That's, that's a little t uh, tempting. Don't tell my CEO either. <laughs>
Yeah, it, it was probably a weighted question, if I'm being completely Marjorie. I think that the way you talk about just everything, you're not just focusing on revenue. The way you talk about how business comes together, you really do communicate and talk like a CEO and have the passion of a CEO and looking, you know, way above and beyond just, just the revenue part of it. And you know, it's, it's an absolute privilege and honor to, to listen to you. You're a very, very inspiring individual. And I think there is a lot to come from that. And it's absolutely a, a field that I can one day see you see you playing in. One day, one day, maybe, you know. <laughs> but no, we won't tell your husband. <laughs> we'll cut that out of this one, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, no, and, you know, we, of course, un until such point may or may not happen, you know, um, missions like really creating a new category with geolocation uh, tech and data is very fulfilling. So I, I think, uh, watch out for Foursquare. We are definitely changing the way decisions are made and changing the way, you know, literally as a consumer, you experience the world between where you are and how you move. So, so I think you know it, it has been a truly inspirational um, you know conversation. This is the point when we reflect, and this is actually probably one of the most important interviews we've ever done, and I'll explain why. So the thirty-three CXOs two series, there were no female representatives. The Playbook Universe, no female representatives. So you're the first female in any iteration of the. CXO or Playbook Universe. Within the 2020, there is obviously representation, but that's a different, uh, a kind of a different format. So for me, this is a really, really important, in, probably the most important interview. And it's not just diversity for the sake of diversity. And I really want to emphasize that because I think what this emphasizes more than anything else is that this playbook was designed with a very primitive understanding of what it takes to be successful. And we can almost forgive 20, 30 years ago, it was a very different world. It was very male, you know, domineering, very kind of almost ego-driven, <laughs> coffee and other thing fueled world of sales, right? And that's where it kind of came from and, 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 and the genesis of this. But I think the power of what we're talking about today is that through its evolution, through, you know, through, through the various iterations, we've actually realized that the power isn't about beating your chest. It's about that North Star that you spoke about. The North Star is value. And actually what you really demonstrate more than anyone else, and, 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 and I think this is really fundamental, is that to establish value, it's not about being salesy. It's about active listening. It's about empathy. It's about business-driven conversations. And I think what you've been able to really conquer with real grace is the fact that you've been able to understand how do we articulate and bake value in at every single stage of the process from start to finish. And I think this is why this is so um, important, so revolutionary. And, and I think you're a fantastic advocate and you've got a huge reputation you really do stand amongst, you know, with, on, on, with, with real credit. And, and I really want to say a massive thank you for taking the time to speak with us because it has really been inspirational and it's been fantastic to just spend this time with you and, and really share your story. 
Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I, I'm grateful to be able to speak about all of this, and you know, it, it's also very reflective for me to just look. You made me look at the last 22 years. Uh, so th thank you for that. And then I think the one thing I would I would say is, uh, you know, sales is a profession. Like any anything, it's a craft you can master. And I think more than ever. Um, you know, thinking about the economy and the world we live in uh, is just, uh, yeah, it, it's just a wonderful place for anyone that has smarts, hunger, and then an appetite to just get better to, to excel. So um, I'm very grateful for the, the time we spent together. I hope it's going to be useful to, uh, to listeners and yeah. Absolutely. Marjorie, it's been an absolute delight having you on the show. And, and I think I just add one final comment to it, which I think for me, I think you've really been able to articulate and demonstrate that, you know, the playbook isn't an enterprise tool, right? Uh, sorry, a playbook to be able to sell enterprise technology. Um, it, it's, it's a tool that with the right mind um, and the right ability to be able to understand how you break that down you can apply it to absolutely anything, um, which is what you've been able to demonstrate throughout your entire career, starting at MongoDB from that transition, um, using that playbook to transition from a, you know, a high velocity cell into to an enterprise model, you know, to, uh, into more of the, sorry, an enterprise model into more of a high velocity model, um, and then continue to take that through now to buying and different buying personas and different um, audience has just been absolutely incredible. So um, yeah, it's been absolutely, truly inspirational and, and I'm absolutely 100% confident that all of our listeners are gonna really enjoy this one. So thanks ever so much for sharing in your wisdom. Awesome. Thank you. So just to close, to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening in today. Um, if you like what you've heard, please do subscribe um, to our various channels, YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Um, but we will look forward to welcoming you back to another session soon. Thank you very much.